No, it's not on. Testing, testing, one, two, test, <coughs> testing, that's better, like that, okay, um, the Roman Catholic Church is the one true church instituted by Christ to give grace, so, it's through the Catholic Church that we get grace. Not directly from God, but through the Catholic Church. Bear with me. Okay. This grace is received through uh, ceremonies called sacraments. And the sacraments are the outward signs, they are the ceremonies, the rituals that are performed, and most importantly, they are necessary for salvation. So, without these graces that are, that are given through the Catholic Church, there is no salvation. That's, that's, that's what I really want you to get is, is how important the Catholics view these sacraments, these graces that come through the church itself, that they are necessary for your salvation. And uh, there are seven of these sacraments, and they are baptism, holy matrimony, um, it says uh, reconciliation, and really that's um, the forgiveness of sin through absolution, through going uh, to confession, the anointing of the sick, the Eucharist, is um, like um, our Lord's Supper, uh, holy orders, and that's uh, when a priest is ordained, and confirmation. So a person is bought, brought into full communion with the Catholic Church through reception of the first three sacraments, which are baptism, then followed by confirmation, and then the Holy Eucharist. So we'll take a look at these three sacraments first, and we'll take them in the order that they're received. So, uh, baptism. Now, I mentioned in the first lesson about the commonality of beliefs and sometimes the commonality of language that we use uh, between Christians and Catholics. And on the one hand, that commonality that we share can make it easier um, are we done? Um, it can be, make it easier to witness to a Catholic because we sh do have things in common. But as we're going to see that um, sometimes it can make it a little bit more difficult because it almost seems like we're splitting hairs with them, but the difference is eternal life. So I want you to notice that as we read a lot of things from the Catholic Church, the language that they use 
and how familiar it sounds to you. But really, it's talking about something different than how we would use the language. Okay. Okay. So, what is baptism? This is, I'm going to put up, this is how we baptize. It's uh, fairly simple. It's a fairly straightforward, as we all know. Um, you have, you know, your preacher and the convert in the baptismal pool, and um, he gets dunked under the water, and then he's lifted back up. And during this time, the preacher is going to say something to the effect, uh, upon this public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. And that's pretty much um, our baptism, baptis, baptism. Okay. Now, the Catholic Church has a few more steps in it than that. And those are going to be the things um, that we deal with um, tonight. Oops. I wish to oh. thank you for participating in the baptismal preparation. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oops. Okay, so here um, is we're going to look at the list of the uh, um, Catholics. We see here the uh, introductory rites, and I'm just going to open this up because under each of these, like you can see in here, intercession, we have five options right here. So I'm just going to open this up a little bit, and we'll take a look at what uh, uh, some of the extra steps or additional steps that the Catholic Church has that we as Baptists don't. Okay, so let me back up. We're going to start here. And then we're going to go down to here. We're going to go through these steps here. We're going to say these prayers here. And then we're going to respond here. And then we're going to do these things here. And then we're going to do these. And, and you can't go without doing these. 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 And we got some more prayers. And, and we do have options on some of these prayers. We can change that up a little bit. Okay. And so here. This, here, now, I know, as we look, you know, that I don't expect to spend more than one or two minutes on each line here. So, you're probably, your first thought is, you're probably thinking, what about breakfast, right? And so, we're, the pastor has agreed to um, buy us all breakfast at Bob Evans after we get done with this, okay? So, don't let that be a, a stumbling block to you. All right, so that's Catholic baptism for you. Okay, so now I need to close this, so bear with me as I... Um, okay, yeah, so that's... Oh, yeah, so we're going to... So. Now, that's how baptism, those things used to be, supposed to be. Um, but now Catholics like... Other religions are getting a little more liberal. They're uh, taking away some of the uh, uh, things needed or required in the baptism. And so what we're going to do now, before we start getting into me talking about the details and specifics of what the meaning of uh, baptism is and why it's so important to the Catholic Church, we're going to watch a short video of, um, of a priest explaining uh, 
a very um, a small outline of what uh, a Catholic baptism uh, might look like today. Okay, so it's about ten minutes long. So I'll warn you ahead of time, the gentleman, the priest, very monotone. The music, you know, something you might hear in a dentist's office. So it, you know, if you you have to make an effort to pay attention. Uh, but some of the things that he says, um, you'll recognize as we go forward in the, in the details of the lesson. So here we go. I wish to thank you for participating in the baptismal preparation program here at St. Michael Catholic Church. My name is Monsignor Frank Rossi. I'm privileged to be the pastor. You parents who are presenting your children for baptism here at St. Michael's, I thank you very much. Um, our parish family is enriched by having your children as part of the membership of this community upon their baptism. In the Catholic tradition, the rite of baptism is very rich and highly symbolic. And so I think if we take a moment to look at how we celebrate the sacrament of baptism, we'll be able to enter more deeply into the celebration itself. In the Catholic tradition, the sacrament of baptism has a twofold purpose. From one perspective, it is a welcoming into the Christian family, the person who is going to be baptized. And then secondly, it's the infusion of the grace of the Holy Spirit of Jesus, which animates then the life of those who are baptized. So the way we celebrate the sacrament is this. The beginning parents and godparents will stand before the community and the minister will ask what name have you given your child? This is very important. We go back to sacred scripture, the Old Testament, and into the New. That capacity to name something means that you have an authority and a responsibility. Go back to the Garden of Eden. And that there God says to the first couple, name all of the plants and animals. Whatever name you give it shall be its name. And they do that. And God afterwards says, now, have dominion overall creation. In other words, take care of what you have named. Throughout the scriptures we see that God often changes someone's name when he gives them a special mission. Like Abram becomes Abraham, Simon becomes Peter, Saul becomes Paul. And that we see here every time they are given a name, they're given a spiritual identity. So parents, you have the privilege of naming your children and in doing so, you are giving them a very special identity. It's a name that they will carry with them for the rest of their lives, but also an identity as being part of your family, and then in baptism, part of the family of the faith. And so after you have told the minister the name you've given your child, the minister will ask, what do you want of the church for your child? And you will state that you want them to be baptized. And then the minister will ask if you are willing to accept the responsibilities of training your child in the practice of the faith because you parents, uh, you are the first educators of your children in all ways, and including the ways of faith. Your children will first learn about God, not from being inside the church, but being inside your homes. For there you will teach your children their first prayers. It is there that they will learn to know of God's love for them. And so after you have committed yourselves to raising your children in the practice of the faith, we then turn to the sponsors, the godparents. 
you will be asked, are you willing to assist the parents in their duty as Christian parents? Godparents, please remember that you are not present at the ceremony representing the family, but rather representing the Catholic Church. You are a visible presence that the Catholic Church wants to be a part of this child's life, wants to assist the parents in their duty as Christian parents. And so you are speaking on behalf of 1.3 billion Catholics that we want to assist the parents and the child himself in learning more about God, teachings of our Catholic Church, how to live in faith and morals. Once we have made those commitments from the parents and the godparents, then the minister will sign each child with the sign of the cross, which is the symbol of our Christian faith. The sign of the cross will be traced on the forehead of the child. And then parents and godparents, and hopefully all of those who have joined you will be able to do the same. So that's our welcoming. And then after we've done that, we're going to listen to a passage of sacred scripture. Because the sacraments are not the creation of the church, they're the gift of the Lord. And so we want to take a moment to listen to what our Lord has to say about the Christian faith, about being baptized, and what that gift is for us. After the scripture passage, we're going to have some intercessory prayers, and that's where we ask the Lord to assist us to be able, as adults, to be good witnesses of the faith for our children because our children will learn about our faith through our words and our actions. And so we'll ask God to help us to be good witnesses of the faith for the children who are entrusted to our care. And after we do that, we're going to ask the saints to intercede for us. These are the men and women of heroic virtue who were human just like us, but lived their Christian faith to the full. And so we'll ask them to intercede for us and to assist us by their prayers that we may be living saints for our children. After we have done that, we will have a special preparatory prayer over the children, claiming that we do desire that the Lord will free them from sin and fill them with his grace. And, and so we'll move to the baptismal font. Once there, we will ask God's blessings to be upon the water, and I invite you to listen attentively to the prayer of blessing because it shows how God has used water throughout salvation history as a symbol of his presence and his power in our world and in our lives. Once our water has been blessed, now, now we need to be enriched, and so we will all be asked to renew our baptismal promises to, to reject sin and to profess our faith in God. We say, I do, that we will renounce sin, and then we will say, I do, that we do believe in God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So now our water is blessed, and we are fortified in our faith. And then one by one, the children will be brought to the font, held by parents, Godparents, we will pour the waters of baptism over the head of the child while we invoke the triune God. And through that water and word, each child will be cleansed of the stain of original sin that we all bear by virtue of coming from a fallen human race. And then the infusion of the grace of the Holy Spirit of Christ. 
that will dwell forever in the life of the child. Once they come out of the waters of baptism, each will be anointed with chrism oil. The chrism oil is an oil that is consecrated by the bishop each year. Chrism oil has balsam in it, a perfume, so it's very sweet smelling. St. Augustine tells us that the sweetness of the oil is to remind us of the sweetness of God's love that comes to us in the sacraments. In Old Testament times, priests, prophets, and kings were anointed with oil to show their royalty and dignity, and, and so we place the oil of chrism on the foreheads of each person after their baptism. The chrism oil is used in three sacraments of the church, each of which gives a character, meaning a grace that can never be lost, baptism, confirmation, and holy orders. Once they have received the oil of chrism, we will place a white garment over them. White is the symbol of dignity and purity, and so be asked to place the garment over their head, and this white will be an outward sign and symbol of the interior dignity and purity they have by being baptized in Christ. After that, each family will have a lit candle that will be placed next to the child. The flame has been a symbol of the presence of God in every Catholic church. Wherever you see the tabernacle, very close by will be a lit candle. That flame symbolizing the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And so off of our Easter candle, we light the candles and place them next to the children, symbolizing that the light of Christ will always be with them, guiding them in the ways of goodness and holiness. Once they have received these symbols of their baptism, then as a community of faith, we will pray together the Lord's Prayer. And then after that, we will have a special prayer of blessing upon the mother, and then upon the Father, and then upon us all, so that God will bless us to be good witnesses of the Christian faith to, to our children. And that will then conclude our celebration of the rite of baptism, where we have joyfully welcomed into our Christian family these beautiful new members. And they have received that beautiful gift of the Spirit of Christ, guiding them in this journey here on earth and ultimately leading them to the gift of eternal life. Okay, so um, from that, does anyone have any questions? Just raise your hand. I'll call on you. Okay, no questions. All right. It's good. So, the, no, I don't think, I didn't see one. So, the importance of baptism. Okay, baptism is the first, as we said a while ago, the first of the seven sacraments. All right? It must be received before any of the other sacraments can be received, right? So only a, a baptized uh, person can receive Holy Communion or be confirmed, and only a baptized person can receive 
absolution, the forgiveness of their sins, receive the sacraments of holy matrimony. Only a baptized person can be ordained a priest or receive the anointing of the sick. So it is, in a sense, um, I guess here uh, acts as the doorway to attaining the grace that all the other sacraments bestow upon a Christian. All the grace that anyone receives from God is channeled through the Catholic Church. Those who are baptized have a special right to these graces, which no, what no one else has a claim. So this is extremely important to the Catholic Church. Now, the meaning of baptism. Baptism can be defined as a sacrament of rebirth or regeneration. Now, this brings out the fact that although we are indeed generated or born naturally of our human parents, baptism gives us a new life. So, as we're reading this, I hope you're thinking about our salvation and when we become a new creature in Christ, when we're born again. And you can see the similarities here that can... uh, be something you might have to deal with, might have to overcome when witnessing to someone. So this is a higher life, the supernatural life that we need uh, above our natural existence. And the name of this, this, this source of supernatural life is called the sanctifying grace. Okay. Now, why do we need this uh, life, this supernatural life? Because we all hope to reach heaven after our natural life. Right? So, absolutely speaking, none of us will ever, ever die. We commonly call death is merely the separation of, oops, of our immortal soul from our body, right? So this is all keeping with what we believe also. Um, as a spiritual reality, our soul will never cease to exist. The only condition, see, now this where you might see a divergence from us, the only condition which we're which God requires is that we remain spiritually alive when our bodies die. Provided we are in the grace of God when we die, our souls will not only survive, but will have a right to heavenly glory. So you can see there's a maintaining of this relationship that the, the baby receives at infancy when, when they're baptized. You have to uh, maintain this. So in other words, it can be lost. But if our soul is not animated, and you heard the priest use that term in the video, by the grace we received at baptism, we shall die to double death from, of the body and soul. In short, for Catholics, being baptized represents and achieves the same things as being born again does for us. Okay, so... Um, Prior to baptism, now we're going to go into, uh, I'm going to run through quickly some of the uh, parts of baptism, uh, the steps that you'll uh, recognize uh, from the video. Okay, so prior to baptism, if the couple, if they don't know personally their um, priest, then they need to go and introduce themselves to him and then request that their child be baptized, right? And you want to do this um, as soon as you can after the child is born. Um, also, uh, in, for a child to be baptized in the Catholic Church, you have to commit to the child being, being brought up in the Catholic faith. It isn't just something you can come and do and then, um, you know, shirk the responsibilities. They want 
this to be for someone who is a committed Catholic. Uh, so, uh, after you uh, go to the priest and you introduce yourselves and you tell them you'd like to have your baby baptized, then you're going to have some instructional meetings with the priest, and and he's going to explain the reasons for baptism and the meanings behind some of the things that are going to take place. Um, additionally, they will have the criteria for the godparents explained, and this is important also and along with the baptismal process. So you have this meeting, and usually um, the parents will just have to go through this with the first child, and then on subsequent children, they uh, usually don't have to go through this process again. So uh, if you want to be a godparent, you must be 16 years of age. Uh, there can be one or no more than two godparents. If there are two godparents, they must be male and female. Neither of the child's parents can stand in as the godparent. The godparents must have, must have been baptized, received Holy Communion, and been confirmed. So they want someone who has some experience um, and shown some commitment to the Catholic Church, um, someone who isn't a novice. And they need to be a practicing Catholic. Um, and they are to be an example of living a good Christian life and uh, um, a life to the godchild and a help in the spiritual formation of the child. So the grandparents, they want to live a good Catholic life because they're going to be an example to their godchild, and they'll be they're, uh, like a spiritual help, a mentor in spiritual things uh, to the child also. So it's a really, really important uh, thing because what we're dealing with here is the eternal soul of this child, Right? Um, they're serious about this baptism having eternal consequences. And so uh, all this stuff is really serious to the Catholic Church. So effects of baptism, right? What are the effects? What happens? Well, first, you get wet, right? Get really wet sometimes if you're Baptist, all right? Uh, these are the important things, the, the doctrines that I want you to, to get out of this, is that baptism that you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You heard the uh, priest refer to that at the end of the uh, video. Is that baptism that you become a child of God? Is that is the child's first step in becoming fully initiated into the Catholic Church? The other two steps are going to be uh, their confirmation and their communion. Okay, But this is the first step into becoming a full-fledged Catholic. Uh, baptism also gives the soul supernatural powers, instincts, and joys, which we commonly identify as virtues, gifts, and fruits of the Holy Spirit. It is a permanent quality of the soul, an alteration which forever will be visible to God, the angels, and the saints. So think about this. Now, we're talking about uh, a ceremony where a baby is going to have some water poured on his head, some oil uh, rubbed on his chest and on his forehead, and some prayer said, and they believe that this ceremony is going to put a permanent quality to the soul uh, of this child, that there is some mystical power in these acts, that it's actually going to alter the soul of that child forever. So, faith. 
By faith, we are empowered to believe everything which God has revealed, right? Similar to us, right? We believe everything in our Bible, right? Uh, that God is, uh, is the eternal community of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that God became man in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of Mary, that Jesus Christ is the man, the God-man suffered and died for our sins, that Jesus Christ is now present, really and truly, actually, bodily, on earth, in the Holy Eucharist. Okay? When they ha- take the Lord's Supper, and we'll talk about this when we get to uh, the Holy Eucharist, they actually believe that Jesus is in that wafer, that that is really his body, that the church, which Christ founded, is our road to salvation. And notice that, that the church, which Christ founded, is our road to salvation. Right? Not Christ, but the church itself. And that the visible head of this church is the Bishop of Rome, successor of Peter, whom Christ made the rock, so that what the Pope teaches, the universal church, it is the teachings of Christ himself. Okay? Hope. By hope we are empowered to confidently trust that all the good things promised by God um, we shall obtain, that we will never be without the light and strength we need to fulfill the will of God. Now, that's something we might attest to, right, that God gives us the ability to carry out the work that he gives us, that no trials that God sends us will be greater than, than with his grace we can bear, that provided we cooperate with God's grace, heaven is ours. Again, if we cooperate with God's grace, heaven is ours. So there's a responsibility on our part, all right? Um, we are confident of his mercy no matter how sinful our lives May have been the only condition is that we repent, make a good confession, and resolve to amend our lives. Again, now I think we can all see the works now coming into part of the teachings of the Catholic Church. You can be baptized and 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 be saved, have your sins forgiven, um, but in order to keep your salvation, well, there are conditions, right? The things that uh, conditions we need to meet, and charity. By charity, we are empowered to love others not only as we love ourselves. We are enabled to love others more than ourselves. To love others even as Christ has loved us by suffering and dying on our cross, out of love for others. To love others out of a love for God, constantly, patiently, and generously, beyond all the human power and expectation. So these are. Um, abilities that are given to Catholics when uh, we get baptized. Okay, so they also have the uh, indelible character. Um, And the final and most mysterious effect of baptism is to receive a permanent, irremovable character or seal. Baptism imparts a likeness to Christ, especially to Christ the priest. The seal, with, the seal will remain throughout our lives on earth and into, and into the endless reaches of eternity. The baptismal character grafts a person into Christ, the vine, so that all baptized share in a unique way in the grace of Christ's humanity. As a result, Jesus Christ, 
has a claim on the baptized that no one else enjoys and that they have a claim on him that no one else on earth can share. So by this baptism, there is a relationship that Christ has with us and that we have with him that nobody else um, has an opportunity to share. The baptismal character is permanent because it is timeless. It is uh, indelible because nothing, not even the loss of faith, can remove it. Therefore, a baptized person always remains a Christian. Why? Because the baptismal seal converts a permanent relationship with Christ. So, um, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Huh? Well, when, when I was just there. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, as we established earlier, we, we receive uh, God's grace through the keeping of his sacraments as they are um, ministered through as one true Catholic and apostolic church so that our souls will go to heaven when we die. So, for the non-believers, such as your everyday heathens, your reprobates, your agnostics, your barbarians, your infidels, pagans, idlers, Philistines, Hittites, Amorites, Alamakites, Hippocrites, Parasites, Stalactites, Vegematics, Pharisees, Sadducees, Arctic Seas, and Canopies, your apostates, your renegades, your primates, those who live behind iron gates, and those who love to wear skates, your, your Episcopalians, your Presbyterians, your Muslims, your Hindus, your Baptists, uh, your Buddhists, I'm sorry, and the Hare Krishnas among you. The Eastern Orthodox, your Western Orthodox, your Northern and Southern Orthodox, the Red Sox, and those grandfather clocks. Your Lutherans, your Methodists, your Pentecostals, the Salvation Army, the Quakers, the Mennonites, uh, the Amish, the Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah Witnesses, most Baptists, and all of the Chicago Cubs. We have good news for you. Okay. Let me see. Oh, wait. I have good news. Here we go. Do I read this now? Okay. Tell me. Okay. Every, why is it still? Okay. Every person that has a valid baptism, this is the good news. Every person who has a valid baptism belongs to the Catholic Church. No matter how unaware this person may be of this, a Baptism is considered valid if the person is baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, having said that, belonging to the Catholic Church is not the same thing as being a member of the Catholic Church. To be an actual member of the Catholic Church, the baptized person must also be ready to profess what the Catholic Church teaches and accept her laws and her obligations with an open heart. So even though you are not 
considered members of the Catholic Church, at least you'll have your foot in the door. And I think that's a good thing. I think so that's something to hang your hat on, right? If this Baptist thing doesn't work out, you're like half Catholic. So you can, you, I'm just saying you can't be too careful when we're talking about, you know, salvation. Okay. Is that all we got? That's where we stopped? Oh, really? Okay. Well, so I guess, again, um, any questions? All right. None? Okay. I'm done. Good. Right. So.